Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's your bruiser, Holden McNeely, and I'm here to tell you about Mac Weldon. You ever want to walk around in silver underwear so you can feel like a motherfucking superhero? Of course you do. Well, Mack Weldon has a line of silver underwear and shirts that are made with real silver woven into the garment using technology that was developed by NASA. How cool is that? The fabric is antimicrobial, which means it eliminates odor. This just goes to show that Mack Weldon puts a ton of thought into their products to ensure you're as comfortable as a hobbit in the shire. And the website is very simple and easy to use. I just put my order in a minute ago. I hate clothes shopping. And actually enjoyed myself for once and you can use the promo code wizard to get 20% off your purchase again that promo code is wizard to get 20% off shop Mac Weldon today Everybody, welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your sloppy, sloppy bruiser, Holden McNeely. And I'm your lithe, clean wizard. Ooh, <laughs> check out my sharp angles. The yin to my yang, Jake Young. Actively covered in gravy stains in real life. <laughs> Just and caked with gravy. Good God. And the, it smells actually delicious. Mm-hmm. The secret is he had a little pinch of cumin. <laughs> uh, and welcome to today's episode. Uh, I... I I cannot tell you how many people have requested an episode on either Bethesda or Fallout or Skyrim or Oblivion or Elder Scrolls. I have had, I think this is the most requested subject. I mean, obviously, we're just doing one chunk of it. We're doing Skyrim today. Skyrim, everybody. Yay! Yay! And I'm sorry to the blind uh, old man that clutched my wrist in the middle of a subway, pointing to me and going, Daggerfall! <laughs> Daggerfall! I, somebody emailed my per- personal email <laughs> account to specifically not say a single word of praise for the show, but just to ask us to do... Have you ever thought about doing like a Skyrim or like a Bethesda episode? Yeah, dude. I fucking thought about it, and here it is. So please, do not send me another email. Guy who's name I forget. I mean, it beats like just a black handprint posted to your door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is true. The world has played it. It it took, I I remember it took the world by storm when it came out. I personally played it on uh, a PlayStation 3, um, of which I do have many criticisms. Um, No, but mainly just, uh, we'll get into the load time thing later, but boy, those load times. Uh, Super producer Meg, you also had a uh, experience with the game. Oh, absolutely. I loved Skyrim. I have wasted years of my life (laughs) playing Skyrim. People have put so many countless hours into this game. You told us, so wait, you got it on your 21st birthday, right? Yeah, my my 21st birthday was 
the 10th, it came out on the 11th. So I spent my 21st birthday drinking wine in the parking lot of a GameStop, <laughs> waiting for midnight for it to release so I could buy it. I had pre-ordered it weeks before. Wow. And then I went home and just spent the rest of the night waiting for it to load on my computer. <laughs> Amazing. staring at the screen for like six hours. Uh, see, lucky you playing it on your PC I my buddy got it. I I ended up uh, just through osmosis, like I had to play it. My buddy had uh, a PlayStation Three, my roommate rather, and um, he got it. And then you know after watching him play it a bunch, I was like, I gotta give this thing a shot. So I jumped in. I created a character. Um, this was my first Bethesda game I had ever played, and I really did love it. I hate to just immediately complain about the load times because I really did. When when the game wasn't loading, when the game wasn't on a loading screen, giving me different facts about the game world. Mm-hmm. That I memorized because I'd read them so many times. Um, the game was so much fun. And Jake, you never actually played Skyrim. This is the weird doing the research for this. It suddenly dawned on me like, wait a minute, I have never actually loaded. I've sat down with friends while they played it for hours. I've like watched hours upon hours of like gameplay footage and like lists and like read articles about it. I know all about Todd Howard's bathing habits, but I've never actually <laughs> sat down and played it. Um, honestly, I'm. T- terrified of the k-hole that everybody who plays it falls into i legit have a very compulsive addictive escapist personality and if i actually owned it i you would not see me you would be like local 33 year old boy found drowned in own urine because he refused (laughs) to open the door and continuously peed himself so let's take a trip down the old memory hole, um, the legal memory hole, uh, <laughs> and the consensual memory hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the original name for this podcast: <laughs> the consensual memory <laughs> hole. Yeah, they uh, they didn't like the boys upstairs, the the executives that old we man have to. Marcus. <laughs> yeah, old man Marcus sat. He, he whacked me with his cane, and then I said, "Where's the bruiser?" <laughs> Um, and the rest is history. So, yeah, I mean, I, we can go. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time talking because I think Bethesda gets its own episode mm-hmm. at some point. But just Bethesda Softworks LLC based in Rockville, Maryland. It was founded by Christopher Weaver in 1986, first known for creating the uh, first physics based sports simulation gridiron. And then oddly enough, got pulled in by EA to work on fucking John Madden football. Mm-hmm. And then they made Elder Scrolls Arena in 1994. I don't really know what the leap is there but i guess a deeper dive would tell us uh, how they went from sports simulator to uh, elder scrolls arena one of the i mean the the thing about bethesda that i think we should communicate is we've done previous developer and publisher uh Roundups, and we've always talked about how they were just like these young nerd lions that were just like living against the rules and like <laughs> smoking pizza and fucking <laughs> snorting Red Bulls and like yeah. playing beer pong while like putting their dicks in gaming PCs. Yeah, just slapping their dick on the keyboard <laughs> to fucking make code head. Just be like, look what I can do, boys. Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but Bethesda was much more like straight laced and business like. The Weaver was, uh, you know, computer tech guy that was literally just like i wonder if we can use a developing market for uh computer-based games like it was all you know uh zenimax is one of the most uh you know the, the current parent company of uh bethesda um which is almost like it, it's bethesda is zenimax zenimax is bethesda uh is one of the most litigious and like very you know uh uh unfun gaming companies and uh, <laughs> Unf- unfun i mean no really they're a fucking business and yeah. um 
the looking at their uh, looking at their behind the scenes footage and like documentary and stuff. Todd Howard and the whole crew are just like in these gray cubicles and they're just like, you know, going over charts and like, you know, just meeting after meeting like they know what they're doing. This is the science of game making. I mean, this yeah. is it's it's like put down to a mathematical equation like enter X dragon <laughs> and Y right. um, thiefing ability and you will have an awesome fun game. Everyone wants to play. Also, Weirdly enough, did, did you learn this? I, this blew my mind. Uh, as as a child of the early '90s, uh, Bethesda made the shitty Home Alone NES game. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you oh, I, that that, I now I learned it. Yeah, I remember the shit out of that fuck you game. <laughs> it was such God. a fuck you. Oh, game. I mean, this is a different game, but this game is such a fuck you game. But I also had the Home Alone Two on Game Boy. That was a fuck you game. <laughs> that was like the ultimate. Yeah, dude, that is it. Yeah, <laughs> Megan just pulled up some pictures of the Home Alone game. It sucks. It's awful. everybody had it. Everybody had it. Not a single household didn't have this shitty, shitty game. It was just like, want to play this for five seconds and then immediately <laughs> decide to go outside? They That's also how bad made, this game is. They also made the shitty Where's Waldo NES game. Oh, shit. <laughs> no way. So wait, they were just like a shovelware li- like company for licensed properties for a second there? For a hot second. Uh, but uh, then they kind of found success uh. with the... Uh, with the with the Elder Scrolls series, and the point of the Elder Scrolls series was to combine kind of the visual flair and the graphical like fireworks of an FPS with the uh, perpetual like uh, uh, numbers based role playing uh, magic of computer RPGs. Now you have mentioned his name twice already, so I, I we have to kind of d- dive a little bit more into Todd Howard and his whole life because Todd Howard is like the Lord God of the Elder Scrolls and Fallout series, right? You would call him Lord God Especial? Uh, he's just, he's the guy. Okay, he's, he's the, the man. Um, not a god, not god level, but almost to god sort of level. Uh, Skyrim was the work of about a hundred people, all game veterans that like, you know, took uh, everything they learned from working on previous Elder Scrolls series to uh, make uh, just a grand epic scope game as efficiently as possible, and Todd Howard was the guy that like, they all had to answer to and make sure that the thing was actually looking the way it was supposed to. He was inspired as a kid by uh, these games, Wizardry, which is an RPG for the Apple II that uses command-driven battle system against a still image of a monster, and that is essentially like... The ba- uh, apparently it was the first game to do that. It where was. Yeah. It had menu based fighting against like like uh, think like original F- uh, Final Fantasy. I mean, literally, like Wizardry was the same game that inspired the Dragon Quest yes. team to make their first what people now consider JRPG. It was considered one of the first D and D style games for uh, the for a computer. Also, Ultima Three Exodus. He was playing that a lot. Uh, it was one of the first RPGs to have animated characters and to have you control a party of four characters rather than one so this is the shit that inspired final fantasy this is pre final fantasy rpg madness he was way into this stuff and of course this would uh lead him to make games like the elder scroll series he uh, requested a job at bethesda after playing wayne gretzky hockey for some reason <laughs> because he because he would literally pass by the offices each day to and from his school and he was denied a job twice by them before he finally got in there his first credit was a producer and designer of the Terminator Future Shock <laughs> game again another licensed property game i guess that's just like what they were into at that point and uh, there's uh, a GDC talk where he talks about having worked on these Terminator 
uh, like early FPS games and like, you know, busting his ass on it and just getting pissed off that it got all the credit and success for the genre. <laughs> And then uh, gloating that uh, Bethesda eventually bought out it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he had a uh, design credit, which, by the way, they've been doing such a good fucking job with id properties. Um, and then had a uh, design credit on The Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall, and that's in 1996. After that, he was a project leader and designer for Morrowind and Oblivion. And again, I, I just got to say this really fast. If you're listening to this right now, cursing out loud at us because we're not doing an episode on Morrowind or Oblivion, I am sorry. <laughs> we'll get to them, okay? You got to give me a minute. I get it. I get it. Some people, there are people out there who are just like, fuck Skyrim. <laughs> Straight up, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, because, you know, it's like the big popular girl yeah. at the dance, you know, and like Oblivion, Elder Scrolls are like, are like the the ones that like really have the best you know maybe personality or whatever, but they're kind of shoved off to the side. I mean, what Skyrim did best is that it took uh, a lot of conventions and gameplay elements from action games and folded it into what was previously the kind of stiff, staid genre of Western RPGs. Like yeah. it's not about uh, Neverwinter Nights. It's not about all the like kind of isometric kind of games that came before it, where there were lots of options and, you know, you could role play very effectively. You could be as evil and as unique as you wanted to because the graphics were so limited and, you know, it was mostly text based that you could like live out this fantasy world. And it felt like the game was responding to your every decision. And what uh, Bethesda did, especially with Skyrim, is they took that freedom and actually made fighting and running around in the world more fun and dynamic. Yes. And it's really more about and and. This is why it becomes the time suck that we we talk about, right? It's because they just sort of put all the pieces in place mm-hmm. for you to have whatever experience you want to have. And I, we can jump into that. I, I, my my favorite thing to talk about is like my, my friend uh, Carly. She plays Skyrim unlike the opposite of the way I play video games and the way I played Skyrim. She just adopts children and brings them into her home. Dude, seriously, she just literally wanders around in a field and just picks things up and just, like, fucks around. Like, just complete exploration, right? And Megan, is that was that similar for you? Yes, that's 100% the way I play. I've spent months on this game, probably more, and I never beat the main storyline. I would <laughs> just super- fucking wander around and look at shit and go into people's houses. I love looting. Yeah. <laughs> All that. All that's, that's and, and the way I play, I'm incredibly objective-based with my gameplay. I love to have a list of to-dos and to go and check those things off the list. I like to feel accomplished, and I like the false sense of accomplishment in my, in my gameplay. So, like, I blasted through... Uh, a bunch of side quests and then completed the main story. And once I did that, I was like, oh, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm, it's time to move on. You know, whereas like Carly's just still in a field somewhere, like, you know, fucking around as a cat lady. I mean, you know? one of the most uh, popular like meme ways to refer to Skyrim is just a 3D Norway simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the whole thing, I mean, the fact that the whole thing, I mean, shit, I, I'm jump, jumping around here, but the fact the whole thing was handcrafted and not procedurally generated I think really ups that uh, uh, sense, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it did a lot of very interesting things with world building that I think only at the, especially at the time, only Bethesda knew how to do. Uh, but its legacy is insane. Like, between right now, right now as we're speaking, between the old version and the special edition, uh, on Steam, Skyrim has about a million concurrent players. 
It's crazy. Like to this day, a lot of that has to do with mods. Obviously, you know, people keep adding content and like adding, mm-hmm. ref, uh, you know, refine refine the graphics. I mean, it was game of V3 2017. <laughs> apparently they like it kept coming back. We're like, how is this? This game is like six years old at this point. And it literally was in like every big presentation. And also we have Skyrim. We're like, yeah, OK, Skyrim cool. for the switch is going to be insane. Skyrim for the switch. Skyrim for PlayStation VR. Uh, what what else? Uh, the Creation Club for Skyrim, which is I'm trying to like, we'll get into the whole paid mods co- controversy as well. But let me actually, going back to just the basic design approach, mm-hmm. I wanted to share uh, Todd Howard's three rules of game development. So I thought that this was really telling for why Skyrim is so successful. And by the way, he, he also was the director and executive producer of Fallout 3, Fallout 4. He's literally like... I forget where the where is it here. He's he's one of a few developers to have created four consecutive Game of the Year award winners mm-hmm. with Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, Fallout 3, Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim and Fallout 4. That's a fucking crazy run. That is mm-hmm. a bananas run. So here are his three basic tenets. Number one, great games are played, not made. You can have the greatest design document ever made and you're going to change 90% of it as soon as you play the game. Keep it simple. I think this is the most important tenant. Keep it simple. Doing something really well takes time. More time than you think it will. Simple systems acting together create complexity that players can appreciate. And I think that that is what he did. They did so well with Skyrim is just like, here's a bunch of very simple mechanics, but you can just spend hours on on them the way in the way that you mix them up. And then lastly, define the experience. Don't define your game by a list of bullet points. Define it by the experiences you want people to have. Um, and again, that's what all Skyrim is about: is 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 in, enjoying unique experiences as the as the player and making it feel like it's your story, you know, and nobody else's. I mean, the things that happen to you uh, for the first year of development. Todd Howard, whenever asked to uh, show his design documents. Uh, he would just show him, show the person a Conan the Barbarian action figure that was on his desk. And he was like, there, that's that's the goal. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird, though, because, like, the Skyrim experience is, you know, you're this, like, faceless prisoner, which is how every Elder Scrolls games begin. Yeah. And then, like, at, the more you play, like, there's maybe two hours of being people calling you a piece of shit. And then, like, the rest of the game is like... Oh, the Dragonborn. <laughs> I hear you have the biggest dick and the coolest haircut. <laughs> My God, it's really him, the Dragonborn. <laughs> Do you want to just have gold? <laughs> oh, which what uh what race did you go with? Or, or uh, is it race? Uh, yeah, it was like race and... Oh, I was the reptile man. Oh, you were a lusty Argonian man? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a Khajiit. Yeah, a cat, cat yeah. lady, cat, cat lady. lady, and yeah. I was reptile yeah, yeah. because I was like, well, if I'm gonna role play, I might as well like role play, you know? Like yeah. I want to be a fucking lizard, well, of course, to me, but I want to be like a to- something completely different yeah. than what I am. Oh man, uh, I'd have picked Nord because I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> I hate other races. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you were going into it. Uh, it takes place what you find out you're dragonborn, a mortal born with the soul and power of a dragon, and you're fighting against Alduin, the black dragon returning after being lost in time. He's the primary antagonist. 
I mean, if you ever actually get through the main quest, which yes. very few people actually do. Yeah, it's the thing. Uh, I, and again, I am. That's just me. Like, I, I really want to dig that stuff out, but I don't think I necessarily. That's why I don't think you never made it to Southern Guard. Yeah. Well, actually, the first thing I did was like I, I found out there was a wizard school, and I was like, <laughs> oh fuck. And then I went straight to the wizard school, which was like a really long trek. And again, yeah. what I oh, what's what's great about this game is like you clearly should not probably go to the wizard school first thing it's very far away it's you know it's like higher level stuff is up there but you can i went straight there it was like the first thing i did because i was like i want to do all the i want to learn a bunch of crazy spells and stuff i want to put my fire spell in my right hand my fire (laughs) spell in my left hand so then i can make a big fire spell in the middle with both hands actually what i did was definitely flame hand sword Uh, was my i loved flame hand sword do you remember any of your like attack stuff yeah i liked flame hand and then there was a spell that you could cast that would show you how to get to like your next mm. quest because I was constantly fucking getting lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I would have like the directions in one hand and cast it and it would show like a little Donnie Darko sort mm-hmm. of portal to where you're supposed to be going. I so f- that's that's how I did. I feel like they did a really good job, especially in the cave exploration of making you feel lost. Yes. And then all of a sudden you just like turn that corner mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're found again. You're, oh, I made it. I got to the end of the thing somehow. I found I, the dragon word on the dumb wall. <laughs> it's like, a, it, it's that great feeling of exploration in real life where you're just like super lost. You're like, oh, I don't know if I'm actually, I, I think I think I fucked this mission up. I think I've gone completely off the beaten path and, and I'm lost somewhere in this cave. And then boom, they, we, ra- you know, you walk in the room and all of a sudden you pop out and you're like feet from where you started. <laughs> and you're just like, what? That's amazing. Like really smart uh, level design and in, in, in terms of the caves and, and the dungeons. Well, uh, this is actually kind of brilliant. Uh, this was like the last thing I was I was looking up before we came in to record. Uh, one of the head level designers, Joel Burgess, uh, had a talk at GDC where uh, most of the art assets, most of the actual like mountains and caves and you know tombs and statues uh, were made by a team of about three or four people. Oh wow! The individual assets they had. Three times as many people yeah. actually building the dungeons and levels and areas. Well, yeah, I mean they had a team of roughly a hundred people working on it. So, but in, like in total. So the the actual thrill of Skyrim or the actual skill involved in Skyrim wasn't about like handcrafting these individual spaces. It was about building these like fantasy Lego sets that the level designers could then combine and mush together in what were called kits. Hmm. And uh, each kit had its own unique set of assets that could be plugged and attached to create unique dungeons. So, like, uh, the cave kit, the, you know, the cave dungeon kit was used over 200 times, while uh, the ratway kit, which is, I think, uh, Riften has the ratway in it. Mm-hmm. There's only two instances where they actually had, like, got to use that kit in story. Uh, and like uh, huh. just by combining these assets in unconventional ways, like they have an ice cave set and a Dwemer set. And so like the third Dwemer dungeon is an ice cave Dwemer dungeon. Hmm. And like that gives it a whole new kind of feeling. Like it's a lot. Um, I oh, I don't know if, if I really want to get into the fact that in a lot of these Bethesda RPGs, you know, the characters kind of move really stiffly. Uh-huh. They're all, you know, you actually see the character creator at the beginning of the game. So you know that everyone you talk to is just different number values on a slider. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, very, you know, uh, 
a lot of the time you're playing through very familiar settings just to get like one unique piece of dialogue or to get one unique item. Uh, those are called hero pieces if you're a kit developer. <laughs> um, but like it's all they do just a good enough job that you your imagination picks up the slack. You kind of like your eyes kind of glaze over a little bit. And even though you're just like whacking droggers for the first for the you know 80th time in a row with your mace and your lightning chain lightning spell. Because, like, the NPC next to you is, like, different than the other followers you used to have, and he's giving you just a little tidbit of, of narrative, it feels more epic. Like, they, they figured out a way to make the what are a limited bunch of assets feel much grander than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and um, all, all the more, uh, especially in Skyrim, because... Uh, everything was hand placed and and put there specifically uh, by by a team. Um, the planning for Skyrim started during development of Fallout Three, and uh, they initially wanted uh, definitely wanted to do the whole dragon thing. They wanted to do Game of Thrones. It literally, <laughs> the team opted for a different approach to what was taken in Oblivion. Art director uh, Matt Carafano considered the epic realism of Skyrim's world design as a departure from Oblivion's generic representation of clap- classic European fantasy lore. So. Uh, yeah, dragons and like epic realism, like Game of Thrones, like like maybe Game of Thrones, like maybe that's I what mean, they wanted to do. Oh yeah, I guess I guess in terms of the books, the uh, the setting was already out there. Yeah, the return of dragons after a long absence. These like noble northern kingdoms and mm-hmm. political intrigue with it's southern kingdoms. Very dark, very like brooding. Um, yeah, very with with the political forces going against each other, but also this extra layer of dragon dragon happening. I never, oh, I never thought of that. That's that's the two and two I put together. Why do the dragons ever land? That's what I never understood. You can't <laughs> touch know. them when like yeah. up in this. You know, you don't learn dragon rend until like way later. That's right, because you're always just trying to wait for them to land so that <laughs> yeah. you can destroy them immediately. Um, or you cut to that ending cinematic where you climb up on their neck and stab their brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I never got to the point where I could ride them. That was like a DLC pack. That was a DLC thing. That I, I didn't get to. I wish I kind of had. So there was also a big focus on the socionomic background of the NPCs. And just in general, to get into the game engine, the creation engine... That they, that they used, um, written in C++. It's the in-house engine for Bethesda. Uh, they actually just forked Gamebryo, the Gamebryo code base. So they just took, they essentially just altered the fuck out of the engine that was used for Morrowind, Oblivion, and Fallout 3. But the improvements for NPCs and NPCs doing the thing that I think pe- blew people's minds in Skyrim, um, that came from the improvements on the creation engine. Now, essentially, that just means, first of all, animation blending. So now NPCs could m- go from, like, a walk into a sprint seamlessly and, and, and instead of it looking very jarring, like it being two very distinct actions. But the main one is also that the NPCs were able to interact with the world around them and live a daily life. And I think that that's really what blew people's minds uh, in the very beginning because it was all these like stories on the internet of like I just followed this town person <laughs> around and this is what happened and they had their own weird little like sad little story <laughs> if you just like would just hang out and had a little patience and wanted to just follow a person around in their day to day life and that shit is fascinating 
I mean, let's not praise the engine too much. Yeah, like Bethesda I, was a, I mean, uh, Skyrim was a very <laughs> grand game made by a very small team that were working on a lot of simple but discrete systems that when they interacted, sometimes they did not interact well. Like yeah. in the middle of like an important like dialogue cutscene and then a random like guard will just walk up to you and be like someone steal your sweet roll like, <laughs> I'm talking to the Jarl fucker like what are you doing I mean the janky yeah we have to take a Bethesda second Bethesda jank is real Bethesda <laughs> jank is real and ridiculous and has not gone away even with the I mean I think that that's why Fallout Forward got a, quite a bit of flack mm. like really we're still in this I mean arguably though the world is just so huge and so open that you just can't avoid the jank, right? I mean, uh, it's, I mean, to be, it's, that's what people, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize We're is. We're going to get hate mail, Jake. No, Bethesda, <laughs> Bethesda Softworks, uh, maybe now it's a much bigger team, but at, the, at around Skyrim, they were, it was a hundred people making this epic game while uh, games that we associate uh, without, with not, you know, GTA five had probably four times as many people working on it. Yeah. Um, so, like, they don't, like, I get it. Uh, and GTA Five has its own jank, you know, as well. I mean, but Bethesda jank is but, unlike any, I mean, it's it's hilarious. Uh, the game amazing. crashed because I had too many lockpicks. Whoops. Oh, well. <laughs> There's an old woman flying through the sky. <laughs> uh, my horse is walking vertically up a wall. <laughs> Um, got on a horse to climb a mountain. I mean, you know, that's just basic day to day living. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, clipping into like I, just like stuttery ass uh, NPCs, like yeah. walking into walls and stuff. And yeah, I mean, that stuff is definitely is definitely rampant. Um, and uh, I guess leading up, and God forbid, if there's like more than two mages fighting at any given point, <laughs> just between the summons and the spells, like everything just <laughs> turns into a disco of shit. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Um, and again, also with that open, you know, with with that uh, uh, engine, we have the creation kit, which is a modding tool for the creation engine uh, so that people can get up in there and mod it out. Now, Bethesda's always supported the modding community. The modding community comes into play time and time again. We've talked about it in our c -c -c crossover GTA episode. We've talked about it um, before in, you know, in regards to like um, Halo and, uh, uh, and that stuff. But like here, they really have always embraced it from day one, especially with these games, people being able to go in and make the game, uh, essentially improve their game, make the game run better, look better, but also, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage Dragons. Macho Man Randy Savage Dragons, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine Dragons, uh, uh, giant boob sliders. <laughs> <laughs> There's giant boob sliders. There's, oh God, there is, there is an, like more so than the people actually working on game balance issues and weapon crafting, there is just an underground society of people being like, I've added sweat glisten to the under cleavage <laughs> in the new patch. Uh, this is, enjoy everyone, all my fans of, of Dr. Dr. Steve's. Blizzum, oh my god. Blizzum patch. Megan just put oh it on the no. screen. Those are oh, giant. Look at those boots. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, does that make breast physics? Does that make all Heavy. of the does that make all of the uh NPCs boobs giant or is it I ideally the dragon priests, the dragons, the droggers. I want to see some drogger boobs. <laughs> drogger boobs. Yeah, can we write drogger boobs? Can we make can we make <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
they got him. Oh my god. <laughs> oh bless Why? you. Bless you. Explain you. what a Draugr is. Zombos. There's yeah. Zombos in Skyrim. Zombos in Skyrim, y'all. The same way that uh, dr- you know the Mer people are elves and <laughs> the Nords are Vikings. And- you know, I so I I got uh from Dorkly Zone Tristan Cooper uh, a craziest mods article. There's also uh. Animated fart shouts, <laughs> a staff that turns enemies into sweet rolls. <laughs> you can turn into a chair instead of a werewolf. <laughs> a chair wolf? A chair wolf and go around terrorizing people. You can be Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, you can summon cheese wheels. You can put to- a top hat and monocle onto the mud crabs <laughs> or also turn them into Zoidberg. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's just all kinds of ridiculous, from the wacky to the, hey, I made the reflections look better, you know, I made this and that, Um, and alterations to the creation engine. I mean, it's just amazing, right? Megan's loving this right now. The core tension, of course, (laughs) is uh, for a PC game, you want to have an active mod community because it just means more people can buy your game and the people that bought your game can spend more time playing it because it's content they didn't have to make. (laughs) But if you're a console company, if you're Sony or Microsoft, you don't want to give people that much power because the last thing you need is a lawsuit because little Timmy just uh, fucking downloaded (laughs) dremmerboobs.exe. Um, oh, is that the Tommy Wiseau horse? No, that's oh, is that? There's a uh, mod that turns your horse oh, into Tommy hilarious. Wiseau. Oh my god! Oh god, it's the worst. Oh my god, <laughs> that looks ni- nightmarish, <laughs> nightmarish. So uh, there was a bit of a controversy though when it comes to the paid mods. Do you remember this? Uh, this was what last year, I think. I think it was two years ago. Two years ago, they're finally bringing back the idea of paid mods. They're yeah, like- they're taking another crack at it. So maybe you can help me understand how this went so so wrong. I think I have a pretty decent idea. I mean, Valve teams up with Bethesda to launch a Steam Workshop feature that would allow modders to sell their mods. Okay. Now, I think the first big problem was uh, they gave the creator of the mod a 25% share of sales. 30 went to Valve and 45 to Bethesda. So the creator of the mod, the person putting in the most work, uh, gets the smallest share for every sale that they make. Uh, community, The community gets incredibly angry also over just uh, monetizing something that's been free for so long. I think the biggest mistake was doing it with Skyrim and not like the next new game. I think it's because Skyrim mods have been free for so long. Trying to put a monetize them, put a price on them this many years into the release was, I think, the biggest issue almost, right? That and the cut, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm old. So, like, my ability to get angry over video game stuff is drastically decreased. Other than, well, yeah, unless it's like I can't beat a boss in Dark Souls or something. But uh, if I anyone's offering, like, if they're offering <laughs> quality control and ease of installation and, like, all the things that will make mods, like, easier and less of a headache, uh, you know, if, as long as I don't have to go into a DLL file ever again, like, I'll pay three bucks. Yeah, yeah. Just, so I'm the worst person to, to fuel outrage about You'd this. rather just, yeah, it, it, yeah, just be able to pay for, for just a clean, easy, simplified um, I would like the Khajiits to have multiple bosoms, as is more anatomically correct for cats. <laughs> Here is my $4. I think the one thing that I will say, though, is the cut kind of sucks. I think they could make the cut le- a little less shitty is because just knowing that um, the the person putting all oh, the time no. in. <laughs> Why do you Google Kajit boobs? Good God. 
Kajit boobs. <laughs> um, staring at Kajit boobs, guys. Uh, I can't think of anything anymore. My brain, li- oh, just making the cut better, you know, as a person sort of trying to do their, um, their own thing um, in a business uh, sense. Like, I think just give, give them a better cut. Uh, Pregnant Kajit boobs. Now we're talking. Jeez, like wheeze. <laughs> Jeez, the wheeze. Welcome back to literally looking at pornography with Holden and Jake. <laughs> Your weekly check-in on what pornography we're currently looking at while recording. I never used mods. I'm so entertained with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a whole it's a whole other layer to and that's what you know, Todd Howard himself said, you know. After they did so well on uh, Steam, he was like, "Well, that's where the modders are, so that that means our game's going to be around for a very long time." And and so they knew that they had a huge, huge hit on their hands when uh, in the release. Uh, what have what did they get here? What is up uh, at the highest point? There were five million users logged into the game. That was on January 2nd, 2012. Valve has stated it's the fastest selling game to date on their platform. Um, And Todd Howard said Skyrim did better than we've ever done on PC by a large, large number. And that's where the mods are. That feeds the game for a long time. So he knows what's going on. Um, First released, by the way, on 11-11-11. 11, 11, 11. Oh, shit. That's a lot of ones, Jake. That's a lot of ones. I mean, the trailer, I mean, I fit, Oblivion uh, did well on console because it was uh, an early release for Xbox 360, and it was a lot, it was a, it wasn't as far as a leap as Sky, as Skyrim was, but it was still an attempt to make a 3D action-like game out of the computer RPG formula. So there was a base of, Hardcore fans of Oblivion. Yeah. And uh, the sequel, the, uh, if you can, uh, I think we have the song play uh, ready to go, but the trailer played this epic version of the Elder Scrolls theme sung by like a Viking choir in dragon language. So, yes, Jeremy Soule is the composer. Uh, he also worked on Morrowind, Morrowind and Oblivion. For the main theme, he recorded uh, with a choir of over 30 people. Todd Howard went to him and said he envisioned a theme as sung by a choir of barbarians. Soul layered the three separate recordings of the 30-man choir to give the effect of 90 men. Every time I take a shit, I listen to this. <laughs> Just to like, you know, make it feel more epic. Oh, wait till it kicks in. A thing I learned is when they invented the dragon language. They made it so it was written as if dragons used only three fingers to scratch it in. That's why dragon language is just these like claw marks. Because no, no one invented a dragon pen. Adam Emma Adamowitz created the Draconic language, who also developed a 34-character runic alphabet. <laughs> so he's big nerd. <laughs> Get a load of that nerd. <laughs> Let's go pants that guy. <laughs> um, so I think we I think we got an. Like, that's the thing is there's not a lot of like crazy stories. Bethesda, like I said, is just a very professional game studio, and uh, they just set out to do everything that. They had uh, previously worked on with Oblivion and Morrowind and just 
sought to like up the escapism factor, up the action factor. Uh, oh, we didn't even get into how they got rid of classes, basically. Yes. The leveling was, system is super unique. That was a huge, huge change. Uh, getting rid of classes essentially, again, just propels mm-hmm. that sense of customization at any point in the experience. So you could at any moment be like, I'm done being a wizard. I kind of want to uh, focus more on being a thief. So I'm just going to do that now mm-hmm. um, halfway through the game. Right. Yeah. Because we're not going anywhere. We're not, you know. We're just fucking around and, and some side quests and doing I whatever. Always, I always hated that in RPG games where it's like, yeah. do you want to be a wizard, a fighter, a s- sneaky man, or a seducer? I'd be like, I don't know. I, I haven't played a fucking game Yeah, yet, yeah. Bro. I don't know what. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to get in there and check it out. And I definitely don't want to restart the fucking game. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the thing. And again, why I was like, oh, I'm this like lizard guy who can like breathe underwater. And I'm probably maybe more of a warrior or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, fuck that wizard school. And just like <laughs> peaced out. Um, but yeah, they removed the, removing the class system was a huge like in terms of the positive feedback from all the different like gaming sites and everything. That was like one of the biggest things that they said was just phenomenal about the Skyrim setup was was just removing that class system and um, the whole like I, the, so the leveling system was super unique for the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one had done. I, I mean, maybe someone had done it. I'm sure in whatever paper RPG they stole this idea from, it was revolutionary. <laughs> but. Uh, the idea of like you build your character just by doing the things you want your character to do. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's and yeah, and earning perks and uh, and they even yeah, like what should be a boring level tree. They made this celestial constellation system. And I love going back to like the thirty man choir. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you like did something good or like leveled up or whatever, you'd hear that like. Rah, rah. And you just be like, fuck yeah. Like it, like it felt so good. Like the, the, the achievements and, and they definitely did that really well. That's what sound. they were going for. Yeah. Like just behind all the math, behind all the art assets, behind all the voice acting, behind all the clever twists and dark stories and like weird side quests where you just find two parents clutching a dead baby. And then you're like, oh, that's weird. And they're like, I think there's monsters in the basement. And then they're like, there sure were buddies. <laughs> um, so many so many missions where you're just like uh oh look dead people note yeah uh, i think there's something trying to kill me <laughs> and then you just go behind the door it's like yeah it was that thing <laughs> that's i got it oh and the books man oh my god so many books did you read a lot of the books there were like 820 books and they all had like 25 pages yeah <laughs> and crazy. that was insane to me i would go around just reading the fucking books yeah all the time you Even get, if, I mean, sometimes you leveled up, but a lot of times you just read right. 20 pages of something that somebody wrote for this fucking book in this one tavern. Yeah, I remember I would just start flipping the pages in each book just to, like, get the level if, the, if it was oh. there or whatever. But um, and, and trying to, like, read. But you would get, yeah, the sto- story-wise, you get so much lore, and it would, it would really fill out the world so much if you did take the time to read that stuff. That's, uh, that's another thing that Skyrim did is rather than uh, a lot of games were doing audio diaries at the time, a lot of games were... You know, instead of like full cutscenes, instead of you know, how do you fill 16 square miles of story? Uh, they just used books and uh, what they referred to as clutter. The clutter system was part of the creation engine where as part of the kits that they were building the worlds with, just stack a few plates and leave like a few on the ground. Like, you know, it's very easy to build a narrative just by kind of arranging these assets making in ways it so you don't that, expect it. Make, yeah, making just that everything, every house isn't just pristine and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. 
Um, and speaking of houses, of course, in the DLC, they added uh, your uh, the the Hearthfire DLC. You could build houses and adopt children and really really simulate more of a life inside the Skyrim world. After um, uh, after Skyrim was released, uh, the last thing the team did before they were officially reassigned to other projects. Uh, well, no, that's a lie. Um, the one of the last things they did after the game was released is they had a week long game jam where the entire team was cut loose just to add features and content that they had wanted to add but didn't have time to. Oh, cool. Uh, you can find, There's a GDC talk by Todd Howard where he like showcases the video of all their things, and in there is a ton of stuff that ended up in Dawnguard and Hearthfire. Ah. So like someone was like, I want a branching werewolf skill tree, and that got added in Dawnguard. Someone else was like, I want vampires to be able to suck blood. That added in Dawnguard. I want to build a house and adopt kids. That was added in Hearthfire. Uh, some of the other stuff, like a giant mud crab uh, Godzilla-sized boss battle, that was not added. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 kind of amazing how iter- iterative uh, their approach to game design is. Now, of course, you mentioned Dawn Guard. That's uh, one of the other D- DLCs um, where your uh, the main story is vampire hunters fighting against Clan Volkhal, <laughs> a family of vampires. Also, the Dragonborn DLC was the final DLC, and that was um, you're fighting Maroc. The first dragonborn on the <laughs> island of Solstheim, mm-hmm. which is new land. <laughs> new land. Well, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. You, you got it. It's, it's getting hot in the studio. No, uh, fuck. What, I, I, was, I was just about to bring something up, and now I am having a hard time. Having a hard time. <laughs> talking for about an hour about a video game. I'm going oh. through my notes. Uh, well, I, okay. And now I can. I finally want to talk about um, bitching about the load times on the PlayStation uh, 3. Now, you explained to me the glitch off off uh, recording, but we, let's uh, talk well, about it. What was your experience? What was happening? Okay. So, um, it was just... I mean, I didn't notice it the way you described it. I just remember being blown away at the massive load times um, uh, on the PlayStation 3. I literally, I felt like I was staring at the loading screen for far more time than I was actually playing the game, and that really did have a great effect to the point where I kind of want to go back because, like, I don't have the intense love for Skyrim that a lot of other people have, like Megan and, like, the hours and hours put in, and I think it was because I was like, all right, I I can't stare at this loading screen anymore. I'm just going to beat the game, and then I'll feel done with it, and I'll move on. Um, And so I think a lot of that had to do with that. Now, but this was an actual glitch. Was it specifically for the PlayStation 3, or was it for, like... PlayStation 3 had it the worst. Um, There was just a ton of load times because these uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 had... At the time, just an abysmal amount of RAM. Mm. So, like, they had to routinely just, like, load more content off the disc. I mean, PS3 in general was known as, like, being a pain in the ass to develop for, right? Um, Because of the unique cell processing architecture. We'll get into that. Um, (laughs) You could... (laughs) It was powerful enough to, like, simulate nuclear bombs terrible at running Devil May Cry. Um, The... uh, Oh, but... A, the glitch that emerged was that the game, uh, the loading times got worse and crashes became more and more, uh, 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 appeared more often when uh, you ended up playing the game more because the game could and the console could not work with each other if your save file got over six megabytes, which in a game like Skyrim where it's keeping track of your inventory and where all your stuff is stored and where all your quest markers are and all that stuff, it happens very quickly. 
Yeah. And uh, patch after patch after patch, every time they claimed it was fixed, like people would still come up and be like, D -d no, it isn't. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Um, which I'm, I kind of just throw in with the with the Bethesda jank conversation we had before. I mean, I will say there was like a certain vibe to the game. There was like a very relaxing vibe to the game. Like, uh, you know, the, the music was very soothing and stuff, and especially during those loading screens. And I do feel like I kind of it was a game where I was definitely going to be like doing a little multitasking, like fucking around on my phone or like I could like even get work done while playing this fucking game is the load times are so ridiculous. That's I did. Stop me if I already said this, because this is the thing that like haunted me when doing the research is we talked about like I remember seeing my friends all fall into this like stupor, this like just this time vortex. Yes. When Skyrim came out and it turns out when uh, looking at interviews with Todd Howard, that was the goal. Yeah. Like he was like, it's you. I want people at the end of a long day to just like sit down in front of my game and just fucking lose all I want them to dissociate completely and have fun in this world we have made for them. Yeah. I want them to think they are the coolest person in a world where they are the most important person in the most beautiful vistas we can build for them and like just let them explore and be and feel like king of tit mountain. Now, which is a mod you can install that replaces the throat of the world with a giant <laughs> with a boob, giant breast. <laughs> the green beards just worship a nipple. <laughs> yeah, I love the one with the yeah with the dragons or breasts, and you know, <laughs> which is why I'm just coming out with a game called Breasts. It's coming out next week. I, th you know, thank everybody for um, but uh, yeah, I. I why do you think? Elder Scrolls before was was successful before, but this was on a whole different level. Like this, like Skyrim was like a household name. Well, I mean, uh, here's, here's the other thing: is even here's what it is. Is uh, you know the question? The question is, of course, why? What what made Skyrim so much more uh, huger, so much more popular? Really, kind of established this style of RPG in in homes all over the all over the country. Old people playing it on YouTube, you oh, know, yeah. and stuff like that. Like but it just seemed like it, it was sold the thirty game. million units, and that is incredibly good. But you know, a game like GTA Five or Madden or Call of Duty will still sell way more than that. Okay. So like. Uh, it's not necessarily the fact that the game was that popular. It's that among that 30 million people, they on average, 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 on average played 150 hours. Now, is that on average or is that like a, a So you take all the total? people <laughs> and keep in mind, most people that buy a video game play it for like an hour and forget about right. it. Like there's so many people that just barely touch the games they actually buy. Totally. Uh, especially considering how many times this has been on Steam sale and stuff like that. Um, 150 hours by yourself in isolation is intense. That's a lot. And it was all, and so this very like open, like exploratory uh, uh, experience was was done very privately. It's a very like personal experience. So then once you're out in the open, once in the, in the open world, someone's just like, huh, fucking arrow to the knee, am I right? You're just like, oh shit, I remember that. Were you there? You were there too? And, and a lot of sharing of personal experiences like, Skyrim is for the Nords. <laughs> the, the sharing of like personal experiences on uh, Reddit and, and stuff like that of like, I, I found this villager and I followed him around and it was this whole thing. Um, there was Barbus so much the of that. Dog. Did you find Barbus the dog? I did not find, I don't know if I did find Barbus the dog, this ridiculous ass. Can we please, yeah, we're gonna 
example. This is just like a random like quest you find out in the world is there's a, there's a dog and you just like you meet him and then all of a sudden he starts talking like an old Jewish man. <laughs> Exactly what I was looking for. Hey! <laughs> hey, it's me, Barbus. You're just talking to Barbus. Yeah, Skyrim is now host to giant <laughs> flying lizards and two legged cats. It's like a furry dog, a fun furry dog. Me? Yeah, I just talked. And I'm continuing to do so. <laughs> <laughs> so, you like, see, you could is... play the entire game, and if you had, you know, you'd just be like, did anyone else meet the talking Jewish dog? <laughs> <laughs> Was I that high when I got to that part? Turns out he's a Daedric uh, familiar that, uh, you know, is trying to be reunited with his master. But. God, I do remember. Okay. Uh, if you've never played before and this episode inspired you to do so, um, don't turn, choose not to be a werewolf. Uh, I remember I became a werewolf thinking oh, that the, would be wait, really cool. What was that group called? The Companions or something? Something like that. And then you become a werewolf and then um, the down. it's too much of a downside. Like, it's not very good. You can't You can't rest. It's, you cannot rest. You can't that, just turn into a werewolf whenever you want because everyone freaks out at yeah, you. Yeah, everyone freaks out. I only use, I used it very seldomly. It's not very worth it. And yeah, you can't rest. And resting gives you like more experience in, the, in your day-to-day if you sleep. So I was like, fuck. And then I looked up the quest to reverse it, and I went to go do that, and then I fucked something up. Like, I accidentally killed an NPC or something, <laughs> and literally just was unable to turn back into it, like, uh, unable to undo the werewolf spell. It's, it's called a curse for a reason. Uh, I was so, like, that fucked me up. I was just like, I hate when, like, something like that happens in a game. I have no control over it, and I'm just like, God damn it. Uh, a lot of people were freaked out by the uh, Dark Brotherhood quest line. Yes. Which uh, guilds was always a big part of uh, the Elder Scrolls lore. Uh, even starting from the beginning, it's just these side quests where you just kind of go into the Thieves Guild or the Assassin's Guild or the Werewolf Guild, as you experienced, and uh, kind of how they interplay with the politics of the of the world is kind of this interesting thing. Absolutely. But the first thing you do in the, Dark Br- in the Assassin's Guild mission is... Uh, a little boy thinks he summoned you because he's like surrounded by candles and bones and he's like oh good the incantation work I've summoned the dark meanwhile you're at that point you're just a guy yeah and he's like I want you to kill this old lady I hate <laughs> and you have to decide whether or not you're the kind of guy that's like yeah fuck it she's kind of a bitch I'll kill this old lady <laughs> And that's, she was awful. Yeah. She was such a mean old lady. <laughs> she had it coming. Yeah, you killed How her. How mean oh, does yeah. an old lady have to be before you, Super <laughs> Producer Meg, will just snap her neck in cold blood? I've been side-eyeing one of my neighbors recently, <laughs> so not that mean. <laughs> but then you get drawn into this ancient guild of, like, freaky-ass cool assassin people. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone talks about Cicero, who's basically just the Joker. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. I remember... Uh, I didn't have to kill this one dragon, and I totally killed the dragon, and that was mean. <laughs> the old dragon on the top of the mountain, you can, like, choose to not kill him, and I killed him because I'm an asshole. Because I just wanted to kill another dragon. I liked killing the dragons. <laughs> you needed the, its bones. Yeah. I was, it was like a cool boss fight. Um, I, I've been doing, again, like, I've been just doing, like, looking up, like, best quests, like, weirdest quests. And uh, one involves, like, finding this priest of Mara that, like used to be a Daedric, like, evil priest. And he's like, I gotta make up for my sins. There's, like, an ancient temple where, like, a battle took place and I have to I have to make right what I did wrong. And, like, it's this, you know, it's this small-ish dungeon, but there's lots of twists and turns. You kind of, like, gaze into the past. All this stuff happens. And it's finally time for him to, uh, 
steal away this Daedric artifact called the Skull of Corruption, which is behind, like, you know, this entire town is suffering from nightmares. Like, all this bad shit is happening. And this is this guy you've been following's entire, like, life's work is to do it. And then the Skull of Corruption just whispers, like, yo, kill this guy and I'll totally give you power. <laughs> and you can fucking do it. And then you get a badass skull weapon that can feed off of dreams. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I remember it's cool that um I think this is a DLC thing, but it's like it's post game. There's like a guy that just wanders around that's like incredibly powerful. Oh, it's I think he's the Obsidian Knight or Obsidian something. Obsidian Knight. I love that they added this in for people who were like just hardcore. Um, but there was, you know, there's the uh he just wanders around waiting for you to fight him and he's like the hardest dude in the game. Yeah. yeah. And you and you you know, you don't even you oh, don't the ebony warrior. You don't necessarily have to fight him, the ebony warrior, but um it's just one of those little final tests like, oh, are he you He doesn't good enough? take fall damage because he usually confronts you on a mountaintop. Ah. And they figured out that people were just Fusro dying him off a cliff. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's oh, can so we fun. just talk about how fun the fucking dragon shouts are? Oh yeah, totally. That's like a, it's not magic, it's not a it's not anything. It's your specific dragonborn skills and you get just Fusroda is the most famous one because it just ragdolls the shit out of basically anyone you're, you're Yeah, fighting. just fu- just pushes them fucking uh, yeah, it's and, and you know, first it's like fuss fuss Fuss, and you, that's all you get. That's like the first word you learn, and it just kind of like shoves people a little. Yeah, but then like as it levels up, it's like fuss, Rilda! <laughs> and it just sends people fucking flying, and it's the funnest thing in the world. Isn't there some shit too where you could actually like get a mic set up and like do the dragon shouts yourself? I think there was some. There were something. definitely mods. I think they added it if you bought it for Xbox and had Connect. Okay, you could, you could you actually could do yell the dragon this. shouts. Rish. Yeah, that would be, which would be super fun and aggravating, which is more fun for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holden is, is at the forefront of annoying gaming technology. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anything that makes me scream out loud. Thank you, Phoenix Wright. Um, uh, always makes me happy. Always such a joy for Lexi. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean. So uh, on the, in the Civil War, are you with Ulfric or are you with the Imperials? Where do you stand? I think Ulfric. I always like the the rebels. That's like the rebel army, right? Yeah, it's the rebels. And, like, it's so weird that they set it up at first. Like, the first choice you make is literally you're about to get executed for no reason. Yeah. And then, like, you because the dragon shows up. It's like this immense set piece. And, like, there's the guy that was literally about to chop your head off being like, quick, this way. Yeah. <laughs> and then your cool rebel buddy being like, yo, I'm basically Viking Luke Skywalker. Come this yeah. way. And the game's like, ooh, tough decision. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. The, I mean, the more you get into how, like, the Stormcloaks are kind of just racist assholes, I always just be like, fuck it, man. I'm, fuck it. I'll, I'll support the evil empire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I went with them, but I can't really remember. In the Battle of White Run, were you killing guys trying to attack you, or were you attacking? This was five years ago. I don't. It's re- the Battle of White Run. <laughs> I don't know. I was probably just you know fucking stealing books from a drawer or something. <laughs> Did you marry Lydia, your house, Carl? Uh, Everyone I know ended up marrying Lydia. Probably. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> At least we at least dated. She's for a the couple first weeks. woman that talks to you in the entire game, and every, we, all my nerd friends are like, "Oh, oh, oh you will carry my burdens." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, any other any other like memories or quests or like crazy things that you, that you that this game that stuck with you. 
trying to think. I mean, I really loved my initial quest line at the wizard school. That was super fun, right? I remember that like it was yesterday. I also just remember the joy of getting to travel straight there. Mm. Uh, I remember the frustration over the werewolf thing. I remember feeling really bad about killing that dragon. <laughs> um, I loved that whole, I mean, that's kind of the main quest line stuff, but the dragon school, I remember that being really cool. I remember, this is just an overall thing, but I just remember feeling like, here we go again. It's just going to be another dungeon, whatever. I'm going to go into these caves and it's going to be this labyrinth and blah, blah, blah. And then they find some way to mix it up and make it interesting and change it up. And they, uh, always. And, and I, I really appreciated that. Or just like finding a cave on my way to go do something else and ending up 30 minutes later. I'm like <laughs> leaving that cave. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. Okay. Like everything starting off thinking it would just be like, one narrow passageway leading to a room and then all of a sudden I'm in a series <laughs> of tunnels that are all like interconnected and moving around and fighting like crazy monsters that I had never even like seen before um let me think forging uh, iron daggers yes. in rapid succession just to build your blacksmithing skills up yetis I remember yetis I remember gi <laughs> the giant trolls also like I love any kind of game world where you, I mean, I, I just experienced this a little bit with Horizon Zero Dawn where, where you can, like, see some crazy shit and be like, oh, I'm not fucking with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and they're being like, oh, you don't just run up and kill everything. Like, that giant troll with the huge mallet is going to destroy you, but you can totally just, like, see by the end of those By the end of the game, you can just, like, look at them and kill them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I love that kind of uh, game world where, where you, you know, not everything will kill you. You can, like, kind of get away, move away from those things and, and come back to them later once you're more powerful, all that good stuff. Um, I love a flame hand, so I remember <laughs> that being really enjoyable. <laughs> Um, what about you? I mean, you said you watched some. Do you? Uh, just like, yeah, just the weird stories that develop from like very basic premises. There's uh, the hangover uh, quest line mm. where just you get challenged to a random like drinking contest and That's then right. you wake up. And someone's like, you desecrated our holy shrine. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And you have to like pick up the pieces for what happened. Um, a lot of... Uh, a lot of this is something they did just to make the kits like um, uh, more diverse is uh, just so many quests where you just find like this lonely outpost. And it's just like, I think there might be goblins. <laughs> we all died. <laughs> and then you go down in their basement and there's so many goblins. Um, all of the goblins were yeah. down there. They were all freaking out. Uh, people talk about just stumbling across like uh, the morning giants. Which is the morning giant. There's just like a there's just somewhere around where the hot springs are. There's just a giant looking at a dead mammoth that had drowned and just like sadly looking at it. And yeah, that's it. Just, that's awesome. And people are just, you know, just again, these are just two readily available assets that they yeah. just placed in this 16 square mile open world. And it's they added depth and story to it. Yeah. Like it is a oddly unique talent of taking these kits and building more story and world out of it than you'd think was possible. And uh, allowing for people, and again, I think that is the argument for why there's so much jank and whatnot, but allowing for people to create their own stories by just having such such an open interactive world, you know? Mm -hmm. And th they say that uh, that goes along with that is is the incredible jank. Now, will, will the next Elder Scrolls game, well, right now, what? It's Elder Scrolls Online. They haven't announced a new Elder Scrolls they game. They have to be working on it. Like I'm they sure they are. Do. 
I feel like, again, and going back to, like, why this was so successful, I also wanted to bring up that um, I also just think that the branding was so on point, it really drew people in. That very simple black background with the, like, silver dragon um, emblem and it just Skyrim, very simply put, as opposed to, like, Elder Scrolls Three Oblivion or Elder Scrolls Four Morrowind, but just the simplicity of how they kind of how they showed it to people was like hey this is yes this is a giant rpg world but it's an rpg world that we've custom made for your enjoyment it's not to try to keep other people out i feel like those other elder scroll games they were just like a little they were appealing to rpg nerds yeah so they were very complicated very complex and it kind of expected complicated and complex and complex (laughs) both at the same time (laughs) (laughs) and um and that's hard to do at the same time, to be both complicated <laughs> and complex and no, confusing. No, they hit, a, you know, they could have had like number, you know, damage stats flying over people's heads. They yeah. could have had like all these things to make it more RPG like. But instead, they kind of hid most of that away. Kept it incredibly simple. Uh, you know, there wasn't really a need for ki- the kill shot cam uh-huh. in previous games because it was about leaving it up to your imagination. Yeah. Um, it was about leaving more to for the player to, you know, when you're because, you know, you're you're hacking at people with a sword and part of you believes that, like, you know, if this was an action game, you should just be like chopping off heads. But all, but it's you know a level one iron sword. Right. He's like a level 50 thing. So you're just whacking away yeah. at this. So, like, there is that disconnect, but they did as sure. best as they could to minimize that disconnect and to kind of broaden the appeal of what should be just a simulation of sitting with your friends on a pen and paper RPG. Um, That's part of it is just, like, I want to go, you know, if you've ever played a game of Dungeons and Dragons with a group of people that do not care what the game master wants you to do, uh, it, it feels like a very good simulation of kind of a, a game of a Dungeon Master's being like, all right, fine. You walk that way and you come across a town and right. I don't know, there's a woman crying and right. it turns out her husband's missing. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I also have the, uh, I, this memory just popped in my head. Never should have come here. <laughs> over and over again. Never should have come here. Is that when you just start shit in the middle of a town? That's when you just, when you run up to any like fort, uh, <laughs> any evil person place Man. that they're are immediately going to fight you. They oh. always say, never should have come here. Ba- that's the, that's the rally cry the bandit yeah exactly that's like any any kind of bad guy thing i remember oh god and i remember the first thing i did was like kill a chicken and immediately <laughs> get the ire of the whole town like against me like i i that that was rough just pay your fucking bounty that it's was fine. brutal yeah i think i actually started the game over because like i no, no no i think i killed a townswoman <laughs> like it accidentally a or an adult woman holden i think it was holden was it a chicken or an adult think clearly i can't about remember whether or not you killed a chicken or an adult woman show me the doll again yeah. show me the doll again and i'll try to remember <laughs> I can't remember. It's like, hello, would you like to purchase a flower for the lady? And I think I just hit, you know, accidentally hit the button and like hit her. And I was like, oh, oh, you can like fuck up hard in this game. Like I have to be really careful. Like this game will not hold your hand like a lot of other games and like not allow you to just kill a friend or or a townsfolk and not have the whole town get pissed off at you. I remember too, just missing the game. It's missing the dungeon master across the table to be like, are you sure you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I remember too, like coming up on like 
two different parties battling each other mm-hmm. and being like, holy fuck, what's this all about? And then like a dragon flying in <laughs> yeah. and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? And like, in other words, just the whole world feeling like it goes on without you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and that, that, and that, that really propels the, oh wow, I'm in a real living, breathing place. You know, that, that this world doesn't need me for some shit to go down like shit will be going down i can i can decide whether or not to become a part of that you know yeah um but i loved that 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 is that vibe kept kind of coming up over and over again in my gameplay um all right i think that covers it i think i think we did a pretty good job covering the uh bits and pieces of uh this six-year-old game that Everyone listening to this show has given away weeks of their life to <laughs> game of E3 2017. So you can expect it. I mean, honestly, if you haven't got if you haven't tried this game out, you're going to have like ample, ample ways to do it um, coming up in this next year. New ways to do it. You could do it in VR on your switch on the bus. I want to marry my house, Carl, in 3D in VR. <laughs> <laughs> well, I now lean you can my face in and give her light kisses on the cheek like a gentle Dovahkiin. <laughs> and and Lord knows what Todd Howard's working on next, but he is a rich human being. Probably. All right. Um is anything else any last words on Skyrim um, before we depart before we tell these JOs to, you know, uh, have a good one. If you look at the footage of them recording the theme song, uh, the Barbarian Choir is the most normal ass looking group of middle aged men you've ever <laughs> seen in your entire life. It's That's actually awesome. pretty hilarious. Uh, they had a foliage rendering system that gave weight to the branches so that when the wind blew through them, it affected uh, how uh, they blew in the wind. <laughs> Um, so that's fascinating. There Jake, was a your uh, turn. there was a companion named Eric the Slayer who was named after a Bethesda fan named Eric West who visited the uh, company while they were developing Skyrim, but later died of cancer. And uh, they made the follower in his honor. You can find him tending a field, belying his deadly nature. When you finally enlist his help, there are two hundred forty four quests and over three hundred points of interest. Jake. Um, Let's see. Um, <laughs> the Radiant Story system auto-generates quests after you've, in theory, finished the game to just send you to unexplored areas that they know you haven't been to yet. Um, the Creation Club, is their attempt at uh, trying to do the paid mod things again? I think they're more, they're more selective with who can put mods out on the Creation Club, and hopefully they get a better cut. Jake? Uh, when you think about that early opening thing where they um, are, tr- you know, they they're about to execute you. They are they chop the head off that one guy, and they're like, "Do you want your last rites?" And he's like, "No, Imperial, fuck you!" And they chop his head off. But like, if he had done the last rites, definitely he would have lasted till Alduin showed up. So like, fuck that guy. Todd Howard once said, "Developers should ignore demographics and install bases." Uh, which is the measure of the number of units of a product or service that are actually in use and follow their passions. He said that if install base really mattered, we'd all make board games because there are a lot of tables. Jake? I kind of think the Witcher universe is a little bit cooler because everyone treats you like a piece of shit instead of like Viking Jesus. Yeah, it's always the the lesser of two evils too. Every choice you make in that game is very not obvious. I also like, well, I don't want to shit upon it. I'm also more of a fan of the Witcher. Also, it's really cool that the Iron Helmet just puts the Viking horns upside down and that makes it look infinitely cooler. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's I think that's all I've got. Yeah. I think we 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 did it. We dried up the well of information and resource. Now, please, I can't wait for your screamings at me <laughs> about the thing I forgot to talk about. And on where the can people page. scream at you <laughs> on Facebook, probably? Or my I guess my home email address is probably pretty easy to work out. <laughs> you know, you just put. I mean, just think about ways that you could come up with your own guess. As for uh, everybody has either Gmail or I mean that's pretty much it, right? They wow, just, you. You just doxed yourself, bro. Well, what am I, what are they, it's the easiest thing in the world to figure out. So um, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes. Um, my name's Holden McNeely. I'm the coolest dude on your block. If you want to come after me, I will be waiting, okay? But I will keep control of that corner, and I'll keep slinging that. Wait, wait, wait. I was just getting myself confused with characters from The Wire. You can follow me on Twitch, Holdenators Ho. Jake? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Best. Jake Young, and if you go on YouTube, you can look up the Drawfee channel, and I often help them with their uh, illustrated shenanigans. And you can follow me on Twitter, the real Jake Young. So there you go. You're not me. <laughs> You're not me. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. I'm a. Uh... Sharp as an arrow, ready to go. Slice them up. Everybody party, it's time for Wizard and the Bruiser. Put your dick away. Don't be a snoozer. (laughs) Drive your PT Cruiser. (laughs) It's time for Wizard and the Bruiser. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Hold it, stop, dude. Adding fuck you to the end. Are we recording? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.